Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Maybe it's only fitting that Bill C-69 has become a bit of a dirty word in Alberta, but a lot of legitimate concern about the potential impact of this legislation, which is meant to overhaul the assessment process for big energy projects. And that would mean pipelines. I mean, that would mean nuclear power facilities as, as well. Uh, all kinds of things. So the, so the ramifications are far-reaching. And if we don't get this right, then we're going to be in big trouble. So, as I say, there's a lot of concern around this legislation, but some hope, some hope that perhaps it can be significantly improved. Now, there are many who say, look, this bill is beyond redemption. It just needs to be killed outright. Uh, But there are those who who believe that it can be improved, and that includes many in the Senate. And that's where the legislation is. This week, the Senate Energy, Environment, and Natural Resources Committee met publicly for the first time to begin its study uh, Bill C-69, which could lead to some proposed amendments. And in fact, uh, the committee is going to head out on the road and hear from people across the country. So joining us to talk a bit more about what they've heard so far, why they uh, seek further input from Canadians uh, outside of Ottawa. Very pleased to welcome the program Paula Simons, independent senator representing the great province of Alberta. Senator Simons, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Nice to be back, Mr. Breckenridge. All right. Well, let's talk about where things stand because, uh, you know, as you're well aware, there's a lot of concern around this bill, some some hope that it can be improved significantly. So where, where are we at as this week draws to a close here? You know, I, hard for people outside of Ottawa. I need it would have been hard for me to understand this a few months ago. Things in the Senate proceed at a very slow and deliberate pace. Uh, so don't expect giant uh, decisions or fireworks right away. We began this week with um, some testimony where we heard the first day from uh, very senior civil servants, deputy ministers, and this sort of assistant deputy ministers, explaining the rationale for the bill, why they drafted it the way they did, answering our questions about sort of the basics of the legislation. And then we heard from um, life cycle regulators, uh, in, including um, the Nuclear Safety Commission and the Alberta Energy Regulator, about how Bill C-69 would would or would not impede the work that they do. So that's where we're beginning with that kind of very basic background information. And if you are all super keen listeners to the Rob Breckenridge show, um, these things are, are live streamed. And then you can go back to our website and you can you can watch hours and hours of testimony uh, and you can be just as smart as a senator. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. So from your perspective going into these hearings, what are you hoping to accomplish? What are you hoping comes out of this? Well, I mean, over the course of the weeks that we do these hearings, we need to get to some sensible amendments to this bill. Because this bill is not well drafted, it's not well written, it's confusing, and that confusion, I mean, there are serious problems with the bill, but beyond the real problems, the 
imprecision of the language allows people to imagine problems that are even greater than they are. So we need some common sense language in the bill, and we need some common sense changes to the bill. And I think uh, I think that's not impossible. I think that there's enough consensus around that committee table that we could actually make some substantive and important amendments, and then the trick is to convince the government and the House of Commons to accept them. All right. What's interesting is that, you know, on the one hand, there's concern that this could make it much more difficult to get projects built. Uh, The government's arguing in some cases maybe that it would even be the opposite. This early engagement provision uh, under Bill C-69, they say, could speed up the timetable on some big projects. So so why is there such a a disconnect, I guess, in that sense? Well, you know, I mean, there's a question of what they... You know that that old line that says a camel is a horse designed by a committee? <laughs> that's that's kind of the, the best way to capture the heart of what's wrong with this legislation. You know, my, my colleague, uh, David Tkachuk, who's a conservative senator from Saskatchewan, he and I did a panel discussion in Ottawa uh, earlier this week where he said, you know, this is like basically a liberal plot to destroy Alberta's energy sector. I know he's not the only person who thinks that. But... I think it's just a really badly written piece of legislation because too many people tried to lard too much into it. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a too many cooks thing. People were like, oh, you know what else would be cool to add? We could add this and we could add that. And, you know, then you end up with like one of those pizzas that has toppings on it that don't go together. Um, so what we really need to do is figure out, okay, what was this bill meant to do? Like the idea of early engagement in and of itself, is a terrific idea. Let project proponents get out, engage with communities, figure out what they need to do to sort of build that initial consensus and figure out from from the regulator, uh, from the assessment agency, you know, what boxes are going to have to tick to move towards approval. That's fine. To front-end load some of that probably has the potential to save time down the road. But if you don't make clear what projects are going to be up for assessment if you don't make clear how many factors on that long laundry list of factors that the early engagement process talks about uh, are going to apply to your project. People just don't have clarity. I had an interesting meeting with a, a representative from Imperial Oil last week, and she said to me, you know, that Imperial, they don't mind if the standards are tough. They just want to know what they are. Right. And and, and then they'll, they'll do them. I mean, I think... I think that responsible major players in the industry know that they have to go through uh, tough environmental regulation and that they have to engage with the communities around them, whether those communities are indigenous or non-indigenous. They're willing to do that work. They just want to be told what is it that they have to do so that they don't get surprised the way we got surprised with TMX. So the one development this week that I think is interesting is uh, that the committee is going to to hit the road, basically. So it's not going to have to mean people coming to Ottawa to, to have their voices heard. The committee is going to go across the country and hear from people. Yeah, and we're going to try and figure out how we can do that in the time and the budget that makes sense. Because we don't have the time. I mean, we have a pretty hard deadline of the end of June to get this bill back to the Senate and then back to the House uh, before, you know, before we've ended before the, the session ends and and it dies on the order paper, uh, which, frankly, I know there's some people who would sort of mischievously like it to die on the order paper. I don't think that actually helps. It just starts the clock all over again. Um, so if we want to get it done and we don't want to make 
Canadian taxpayers scream that we've spent too much money. We have to be strategic about where we go. We haven't figured that out yet. We're, you know, now, like, over this next break week, we're trying to figure out by email the parameters of, you know, how many places we'll go and what sort of places. I am arguing for us not to go to big cities to talk to the very same kind of people we would normally talk to in Ottawa. I mean, I don't need to fly to Calgary to talk to people from the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. They, they, have, a, they have staff in Ottawa, right. right? You know, I mean, they can fly to Ottawa and talk to us. That's easy for them. What I think makes more sense is to try and get to people who wouldn't normally get to have their voices heard, whether those are, you know, frontline uh, workers in a community that's heavily dependent on the resource sector for its economic lifeblood, or whether that's to get to a reserve and talk to people on, you know, from the Indigenous community, both pro and con development, about what they'd like to see in the Act. So, you know, to me, part of the purpose to go out and talk to people is to show Canadians that we're not just a bunch of people stuck in Ottawa who only listen to people in Ottawa, and that we understand that this is a piece of legislation with major national ramification. But, you know, we can't talk to everybody. So we're going to have to choose five or six communities from across the country that have where we hold different stories, different perspectives, and they'll kind of be, I don't want to say symbolic because that makes it sound empty, but they will, they will stand in for their fellow Canadians. So, you know, I mean, we can't go to Fort McMurray and Cold Lake and Grand Prairie and Drayton Valley and, you know, and Lloydminster and, and, and. Yeah. We're going to have to pick carefully places where we can talk to a wider range of voices. Well, does it also make it hopefully more difficult for the government to ignore whatever proposed, you know, whatever amendments come out of all of this? Well, exactly. That, right? if, if we can, you know, if we can, as a committee, um, you know, it, it would be a wonderful thing from my perspective if that it's a very all party committee, if we unanimously agreed to something and then we could go back to our colleagues in the Senate and say, look, you know, we've talked to a whole bunch of different Canadians. We're not being shills for industry. We're not being puppets of environmental lobby groups. We actually thought about this, and we talked to a lot of different people, uh, and not just the same old voices. I think that would give us a lot more credibility when we come back to the Senate, and then in turn when we go back to government. But there are there are steps and steps and steps, and I have I have realized. It's hard for me. I'm, I used to write for a daily newspaper on a daily deadline. Yes. And so the pace of the Senate has, has been a struggle for me to adapt to. But you have to realize that the slowness with which the Senate moves is a feature, not a bug. Right. Well, and that's the reality. It's interesting, too, because, of course, the Alberta government uh, very much wants to make its views known on this. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the midst of all of this, we, we could see a change in, in Alberta's government. But uh, have, have they been active? Have you been in conversation with uh, representatives from the Alberta government? Oh, yes. I mean, I have, I met with uh, Shannon Phillips, the environment minister, two weeks ago. Uh, my colleague, Doug Black, met with both Minister Phillips and Minister uh, Margaret McQuaig Boyd in Calgary the week after that. And then just yesterday, um, when we were having public hearings, the last group we heard from was the Alberta Energy Regulator, but also sitting at the table were people from Alberta Energy and Alberta Environment, not not the political level, but like the senior, senior civil service level. Um, 
talking about where the Alberta government sees that C-69 trespasses into areas of provincial jurisdiction. That's a whole other issue. I mean, and it's interesting because I think Alberta and Quebec uh, will make common cause on this because Quebec uh, is also concerned uh, about its its uh, provincial rights as it as it always is, mm-hmm. and as Alberta always is. So, you know, there are Quebec senators who are very keenly interested in seeing um, uh, changes to C-69 to respect provincial jurisdiction. No, that's potentially significant development. Uh, so in terms of uh, getting out on the road, as you say, there, there is a, a timetable to, to adhere to. When do you think that might happen? <laughs> Happily for me, I am not on the steering committee that has to make these final decisions. So we have to come up with a proposed travel scheme, and then it has to be approved by the Senate and the Senate's Board of Internal Economy to make sure that we can do this, you know, sort of on time and on budget. Um, And then we need to set things up. So maybe hypothetically, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell tales out of school. Like we're thinking maybe end of April, Um, uh, but that's. Yeah, don't don't hold us to that. Yeah, no, fair enough. But uh, we're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, people want to follow all of this. Uh, SENCanada.ca is the website for the Senate of Canada. Uh, more on, on these hearings, more yeah. on uh, our senators uh, who were there uh, overseeing all of this. So, Paula yeah. Simons, look forward to chatting again. And thanks for making some time for us here this afternoon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. There you go. Paula Simons, uh, Alberta senator. Sits on this committee that is going to be uh, hitting the road fairly soon. Interesting to see where they go, who they hear from. And, of course, more importantly, what comes out of all of this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.